Amen. Turn to uh, Genesis chapter number 6, if you would. Give me a copy of God's Word. Uh, Brother Tyler and uh, Pastor Prater are um, in Lubbock. Uh, for They were in Lubbock for a funeral today for um, Jenny Lee's grandfather. And uh, I believe Pastor is, uh, should be here. Uh, it's my understanding he'll be doing uh, uh, choir tonight. So um, he'll be back. He's on his way. So um, and then Brother Tyler, Miss Jenny will be heading back. Uh, tomorrow, I believe. So be in prayer, if not tonight. So be in prayer for them, um, if you would. Safe travels. Um, along with uh, Brother Kessler family. Um, got word today from Brother Kevin that his mom um, went to the hospital today and ended up getting airlifted to Denver um, uh, with some bleeding in the brain, I think. And so... I believe so. Be in prayer for the Kessler family and his mom's, Brother Kevin's mom's um, health, if you would. Uh, be in prayer for one another. If you were here last week, uh, you know, I preached on uh, Daniel and the lion's den. And uh, this week, as you can see, uh, I'm going to preach tonight on Noah's Ark. Um, another story that is... Uh, predominantly thought of as a children's story, but one that um, no doubt God has some lessons for us, um, I believe, uh, to get out of it tonight. And so um, we'll jump in. As, as Genesis chapter number 6 opens, um, it uh, tells us of the condition of the earth and mankind um, at that time. It's about 1,500 years or so following creation, um, since creation, and, and man had all but disregarded God. Uh, it says in verse number 5 that the wickedness of man was great, and that uh, their thoughts were evil continually. Uh, verse 11 says that the earth was corrupt and filled with violence. Uh, sin was, was great on the earth, so great that um, God, you know, had this thought, said, you know, I don't even know if I should have created man in the first place. If this is the way that man was going to go, if this is the behavior that they were going to have, completely disregard me, and, and so full of wickedness, and so full of evil, and so full of hatred toward one another, it grieved his heart, says in verse number six, that he created man, and he and he finally got to the point, he said, I'm going to destroy the earth. I'm going to destroy the entire earth and every living creature with a worldwide flood. And we're just going to start all over. But there was one faithful family and that we find in verse number 8 that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It says in verse number 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse number 9 continues to tell us a little bit more about Noah. It says that Noah was a just man. It says he was a perfect man, or uh, what means there's upright. He was um, a moral man. He uh, was a man of integrity, a man of honesty. It uh, says that he was a man that walked with God. I don't know if there's a greater compliment than uh, that could be bestowed upon a person but that he walked 
with God. And it was because of Noah and because of his family's uh, consistent godliness in, in such a godless society that God decided to use Noah and to use his family uh, to change the world. And uh, I wonder where uh, mankind would have gone, where we would be tonight if it wasn't for Noah, if it wasn't for one family, one man, that took a stand against sin, that took, took a stand against wrong, against wickedness, when nobody else would, uh, but lived for God, walked with God, which brings us to the story of Noah's ark, one of uh, the most popular and recognizable stories in all of the Bible. Movies have been made about it. Books have been written about it. Um, I bet we could go to Walmart tonight and find some toys in the toy aisle that have to do with Noah's ark. That's how, uh, that's how wide known it is. Um, if you were to go to some other churches, I bet you could go to their nursery and you might find a mural of Noah's ark in there, or at least used for decoration. Those who have been in the church long enough might remember the old children's church room back in the old building upstairs and had a a big painting of Noah's Ark and the animals hanging off the side and and poking out the side, poking their heads through the windows and everything. Um, It's a a very well-known story, but it's more than just um, a phenomenal historical event. It's more than just a cool story. Uh, it's God wants us to learn from this story. I believe there are some lessons that God has given us through the life of Noah, through this particular account of Noah in Genesis 6, 7, and 8, and that, that God wants us to learn about himself, that God wants us to learn about ourselves. And 2 Timothy says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Um, even the stories that we most generally leave for the children, because it's a cool story to tell them and it's an interesting story that will captivate their attention, uh, that we usually reserve for Sunday school, even those God has um, lessons and, and, and that scripture is, was profitable for us as well. And so that's what I want to share with you this evening, three lessons that I see from Noah's Ark. Number one, um, the first lesson is a life of blessing is a life lived by faith. A life of blessing is a life lived by faith. God's plan for Noah and his family begins with the first four words of verse number 14 of chapter 6. Would you look at it? It says, Make thee an ark. Very simple, um, yet profound command. Um, that God gave to Noah. He said, Noah, this is what I want you to do. I want you to build a big boat. He didn't just end there. He gave Noah, um, it, he gave Noah step-by-step step instructions on how to build that boat. Uh, what is meant by, that's what's meant by the phrase in verse number 15 where it says, and this is the fashion which thou shalt make it. In other words, Noah, I want you to build an ark. I want you to build a big boat, but here's how I want you to do it. Um, And he began to give measurements. Um, And the measurements that he gave were in cubits, but essentially 
Um, he said, no, the, the ark needs to be 450 feet long. Needs to be 75 feet wide and needs to be 45 feet tall. This was a big boat. Uh, they, uh, somebody took these measurements and they built a replica, uh, a life-size replica of what, the, of what Noah's Ark probably would have looked like. And many of you have probably been to the Ark Encounter there outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, um, I've, I looked up pictures on that, kind of see um, how they did it in and, and and preparation for this, and it's really cool. It's something I'd really like to go to. Uh, but this was a big boat. This wasn't something that you just take out to Mead Lake and go catfish fishing. Um, I don't know if they have anything else other than catfish and crappie in Mead Lake. Uh, this was, this was a, a big boat, and, and um, God, told Moses, God told Noah, uh, hey, I want you to pitch it, put pitch on it, tar it, um, inside and out. Um, that means to seal it. Um, use tar to seal it inside and out. Uh, make sure it's watertight. Can't just put a bunch of boards together and go put it out onto the water. Expect it to float. You got to seal up all of those cracks, all of those crevices. And so um, God told Noah, hey, make sure to seal it um, with, with tar. Um, um, God's design, uh, this is God's perfect design. He's thought through everything. Um, through all of this, and um, he told uh, Noah to build rooms in the ark, not just to, to build one big open open room and just to pile all of the animals on there and let them roam free as uh, as they would, but to instruct him, hey, build specific rooms for the animals, build specific rooms for your families. Um, aren't you thankful for that? Noah and his three sons and their wives. And his wife, four married couples, I'm glad they had some privacy. I'm glad they had some specific rooms. Uh, God was looking out for Noah and his family and the animals as he began to tell them. He said, make three levels, three stories um, on this thing. He told him to uh, put a window in the top of it. Not just a little square window that he could poke his head out of, um, but a big window all the way around the top which would... Uh, which would provide ventilation for Noah, which would p provide ventilation for the family. I'm glad for that, something that probably may have been overlooked. God didn't specifically say it, but there was going to be over 100,000 animals on this boat, and they were going to need some ventilation. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been around animals too often, but they stink. Uh, our family likes to go to zoos. My kids love animals. We love animals. We try to go to a zoo whenever we can. And, um, and around certain encounters, certain exhibits, it starts to sink a little bit. And imagine if you're inside of an enclosed boat for a year with all those animals and all that stinkiness. I'm glad there was some ventilation. With the little ventilation there was. Uh, and then God told uh, Noah to put a door. One door for coming and going. Researchers have studied these dimensions and have figured out that, um, that a little over 500 railroad boxcars could have fit inside the ark, taking these measurements. And using that as a measurement, they uh, took the average size animal, 
don't know what the average size animal might be. Uh, but they took the average size animal and saw how many of those would fit into a railroad. And through all this calculation, they uh, uh, figured out that the, no that the ark could have fit over 125,000 animals uh, there on the ark. Uh, so regardless of the nursery paintings that you might see, regardless of the coloring sheets that you might give your class, this wasn't a little houseboat that had the giraffe's head sticking out the top because it wasn't tall enough for the big old giraffe. This was a massive boat. This was a massive undertaking that God entrusted Noah with, no, just Noah and, and his family. Uh, God invited Noah and his family to work along with the, or onto the ark along with all of the animals, male and a female of every kind. Um, the reason that God gave Noah for doing this was that God said, Noah, I'm going to send rain. I'm going to flood the earth. Something that Noah had never seen before, something that Noah had never heard of before, um, said that rain is going to fall so hard and so long that it's going to kill and destroy every living creature that is not on the ark with you. And then we get to verse number 22. It's so important. So important. Verse 22 says, Thus did Noah. According to all that God commanded him, so did he. Uh, God gave Noah this huge undertaking, this huge project, and Noah did it. So let's get back to the principle that we, that we can learn from this. A life of blessing is a life lived by faith. You want, Noah may have said, you want me to do what, God? You want me to build what? You want it to be how big? You, you, want, you want me to put animals on the bo boat? Like lions and tigers and bears? Like together? You want me to put all of these fierce, vicious, uh, ferocious animals all on the same boat? God, you're going to do what now? You're going to give us rain? What exactly was rain once again? God, you're going you're to destroy everything and everybody, and, and so you want me to, to build this ark and put everybody on it. Noah did exactly what God called him to do. When I read verse number 22, I think, what a man of faith. What a man of faith that Noah was. Think about it. God told Noah that it would rain. It had never rained before. In uh, Genesis 2, I believe it's, it's uh, chapter 2, it says that God used mist to water the ground up until this point. No rain, which means no floods. And so now God is, is telling Moses, I'm going to send something that you've never seen before. I'm going to send something that you've never heard of before. And it's going to bring a flood, something that you've never experienced before. Uh, Noah had no idea what to expect in this time. Uh, Probably took him about 120 years to build, based on uh, verse number 3 of chapter 6, where God said that man's days would be 120 years um, on the earth. Uh, remember that Noah's family was the only godly family left. Noah didn't have any help. He didn't have other people coming alongside him, giving him a hand, 
telling him, yeah, let's prepare for this flood that your God is talking about. Absolutely not. Uh, think of the circumstances that Noah was up against for a second. We oftentimes think, hey, it would be easy for me to listen to God if God would just talk to me like he did Noah. It would be easy for me to listen to God. It would be easy for me to obey God if he just spoke to me in an audible, audible voice, told me where to go or told me what to do. But, but we have, you know, in the word of God, in writing what God's told us to do, and most of the time we fail to do what he's called us to do. It's easy for us to look at Noah and say that we would have done the same things, but the odds were stacked so high against him. Build something that he's never seen before in preparation for something that, he's, that nobody's ever heard of before by himself. But he said, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. Noah, by faith, obeyed God's command. And even when it didn't make sense, even when it was unpopular, Noah lived by faith. And I say, but let's see, why are you guys always preaching about faith? Because that's it, all that the, the, the Christian life is all about, is living by faith. If we're not living by faith, then we're not obeying the word of God. And we can talk about having faith all that we want to, and, and, and we can boast about how great faith we have, but if we're disobeying the word of God, then we're showing a lack of faith. It's the first lesson that we learn from Noah, is a life of blessing is a life lived by faith. You want God's blessing on your life? Then live by faith. You want God's blessing on your home? Live by faith. You want God's blessing on your marriage? Live by faith. You want God's blessings on your finances? Give by faith. You want God's blessing on your ministry? Serve by faith. You want God's blessing on your life? Then we need to have faith like Noah did, when it didn't make sense, when it was unpopular, um, when we were all alone, live a life by faith and obey God's word. The only way that we're going to get God's blessings is by obeying him, living by faith. That's the first lesson that we learn. Here's the second lesson that we learn from Noah. There's safety from judgment in the will of God. There's safety from judgment in the will of God. Noah's ark was um, is not just an historical event, but it was an Old Testament type that points to Christ and his work and salvation. Consider these elements that picture our salvation um, in Christ through the ark. The ark was God's provision of salvation for Noah's family from judgment. Uh, chapter number 17 and verse 19, or chapter 7, sorry, verse 19. It says, And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Verse 23, And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle, and the creeping things, and the fowl, and, 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 uh, the fowl of he the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. What are those verses telling us? Uh, they're telling us that the flood happened just like God said it was going to happen. And, and that every single thing was judged by the flood, except those that were in the ark, that were in the will 
of God who are safely situated where God hath placed them. That's what the ark pictures for us. It's a picture of Christ. Christ has been provided for us by God, the Father, and, and everyone that is in Christ, everyone who is in the will of God is safe from the judgment that's going to come upon the world one day. Noah, God told Noah, Noah, get your family, get all the animals and get in the ark. Get into the will of God and you're going to be safe. But Noah, that's the only way. This was a worldwide flood. This wasn't a localized flood. This wasn't a situation where Noah could take his family up north until the flood down south um, um, had gone away. This, this, he, wasn't, he couldn't get to high ground and get to a high mountain. It says that every mountain was completely covered by the water. There was no safe place except for in the ark, except for in the will of God. It was the only way. And the only way for us to escape God's judgment is to be saved in Christ. It's to get into Christ through salvation. Um, judgment was coming. The only way to be saved was in the ark. The only way for us to be saved from our sins is to be in Christ. And so the ark was a picture of, of Christ's of the salvation that we have in Christ. Uh, second way that the ark um, signified our salvation um, from judgment is that Noah was invited by God to come into the ark. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 7. Um, it says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. God told Noah, Hey, come into the ark. That implies that God was, that's where God was. That's where God's presence was inside of the ark. And God um, invited Noah into his presence. God did not push them into the ark away from him. God not said, hey, go in there and I'll stay out here. No, God invited them into um, himself. Uh, he, he, he is not pushing us to safety in salvation, He is the place of safety. God is the place to stay safe from our sins, stay safe from judgment. And He has told us, hey, come unto me. Come unto me. I am the safety. I am your salvation. And if you come unto me, no man will I um, cast. I will in no wise cast you out. That's the picture of the ark. It's, a, it's the only way to escape judgment and know if you want to be saved, then come unto me. Come into my presence. And that's God's call for us tonight. If, if we have not been saved, we have not accepted him, saying, hey, come unto me. Come into my presence and I will keep you safe. The third way that the ark kind of signified our salvation is that Noah and his family were not to delay in boarding the ark. Not to delay. Verse number four of chapter seven. God said, for yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth, forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. Um, God told Noah, hey, in seven days, it's going to start raining. And in seven days, if you're not on the ark, then you're getting left out. And you're going to be part of the judge. You're going to be part of those who are judged since you delayed in boarding the ark. God's call to Noah was, hey, don't, don't wait. As soon as he told Noah, as soon as the ark was finished, he said, hey, seven days, it's going to start raining. You better get in the ark. 
Noah, go get your family. Noah, start gathering the animals and get in the place of safety. And that's God's message for us tonight. Hey, don't wait. Don't delay. Don't put it off. Don't get stuck outside of the boat. Don't get, don't get stuck waiting. And, 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 and Noah could have said, well, God, I, I want to get all the cellar stuff done first. God, let me continue to try to preach a little bit longer. God, let me, I, I want to finish this part, or I want to do this, or, or God, I haven't done everything that I wanted to accomplish. God, I'll get on the boat. Just give me a few more days. God said, no, you need to get on the boat. Don't delay. And we don't know when Christ is coming back. We don't know when judgment is going to come upon us. So we need not delay. Again, if you're here tonight and you haven't accepted him, don't delay. Don't put it off. You don't want to get left outside of the boat. Don't delay. But then the last, the last way that, that the ark signified our salvation is that the door of the ark was secured by God himself. Verse number 16 of chapter 7. It says, And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. The door of the ark was not closed by Noah. It wasn't pulled shut by an elephant. It wasn't pushed shut by somebody outside of the ark. The security of Noah and his family and the animals wasn't dependent upon Noah. Their security was dependent upon God. God closed the door. God shut them in. This not only showed that all others were shut out, because everybody who was left, when God shut that door, everybody on the outside, they were left out. They were, they were left to, to, for, to, uh, to experience the judgment that God is going to rain upon the earth. They were shut out. There was, no, there was no getting in. But it also signifies that those who were inside the, ship, inside the ark, inside the boat, they were locked in by God. They weren't getting out. I'm so thankful that when we are in Christ, we are locked in. Christ. We can't open the door. God's not going to open the door. Satan's not going to open the door. God has locked us in. That teaches us the doctrine of eternal security. That teaches us that, that once we're saved, we're securely placed in the presence of Jesus Christ and nothing can remove us from his presence. Nothing can rip us from that security. Nothing can rip us from that safety. We cannot lose that salvation. We cannot leave once we're locked in. The message is clear tonight, whether in salvation or, or in our everyday lives. As Christians, there's no safer place in all the world than in the will of God. His first and foremost will is for all of us to be saved. I think it speaks of salvation, but it also speaks of us as believers. And if you want to be safe in this life, if you want to be blessed, if you want to be protected by the Father, then make sure that you're in the will of God. Make sure that you're doing what he has called you to do. Make sure that, that you're living a life that is pleasing to him, that is lined up with his will. The will of God for Noah and his family was to be in the boat. And as long as they were in the boat, they were safe from judgment. How about your life tonight? Are, are you safely in the will of God? Are you in the boat? Are you safe from judgment? 2 Peter 2.5 calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. I believe that tells us that, that Noah preached of the coming judgment. Noah tried to tell other people for the 120 years that he was building this ark. He tried to tell other people, hey, judgment is coming. 
hey, you need to, when, you, when, the, when the time comes, you need to make sure that you're on the ark. When the time comes, you need to make sure that you're in the boat to be safe from judgment. But only eight people were saved that day. When God shut the door to the ark, only eight people and the animals were inside. That was Noah and his family. Because they're the only ones who believed God. They're the only ones who trusted the ark of God's safety, God in the will of God. The second principle we learn from Noah is this. There's safety from judgment in the will of God. And then the third and final lesson that we learn from Noah is that we can rest in the promise that God never forgets or forsakes his people. We can rest in the promise that God never forgets or forsakes his people. Genesis 8, verse number 1, says, And God remembered Noah. I want to kind of go through a timeline of events uh, right here for just a minute um, of, of, of the flood. In chapter 7 and verse 10, it says that Noah and his family were on the ark seven days before the rain started. Uh, the rain started after the seventh day. In verse 12, it tells us, and it rained for 40 days and for 40 nights, nonstop. Raining cats and dogs for 40 days, 40 nights. And so by the time we're in verse number 12 of chapter 7, they've been on the ark for 47 days with just their family and a bunch of stinky animals. The end of chapter number 7 tells us that the water continued to rise on the earth. It didn't stop rising to its top level for 150 days after the rain stopped. For five months, the rain continued to rise until it had covered every single mountain in the world. Now pause right here for just a second. Um, how many of you have ever been on a cruise ship? You ever been on a cruise? Okay, fair amount. Uh, my wife and I took a cruise about five years or so. Uh, we took a cruise and... Um, I didn't know when we went if I was going to like it. I really had been fighting her for a couple of years of, of, of going on one. I, well, I'm not going to like that. It's not going to be any fun. And, and so I fought her, but we really enjoyed it. And in fact, I'm really looking forward to going on another one, um, if anybody feels so inclined <laughs> to bless us. But we were, we were on that boat, and it wasn't two days. And we were ready to get off. And it's not that we weren't having fun. It's not that we weren't enjoying our time. But we were ready to see something new. We had seen it. We had seen pretty much the whole ship. We had walked um, around it and, and seen some different things. And we, by the time the, the ship made it to port in the Bahamas, we were ready to get off. Not that we were doing anything, but just to get out and to walk around. Go into the town and see the shops um, just to do something different. Just after a couple of days being secluded on this big boat. Now Noah and his family didn't have a cruise ship. It was a completely different type of carnival. <laughs> Bunch of animals. I came with that joke myself. <laughs> no, it was complete. It, it, he, they didn't have all this stuff. They didn't have shows and restaurants and a workout gym and all this stuff to, um, to, and, and a pool to sit by to pass time away. They were stuck on, on a 
cold, dark, stinky boat with a bunch of animals and just their family. And at this point, it's been 197 days. I don't know about you, but I would have been ready to get off the boat by then. And I wonder at some point during that time if, if Noah or one of his family members ever, ever said, God, it's still raining. God, it's been two weeks. Is it ever going to stop raining? God, it finally stopped raining, but we've been on the boat for 100 days. When are we going to be able to get off of this boat? God, these animals stink. Can we please get off of this boat? God, I was done with the roosters after the first week. The chihuahuas will not stop barking. I'm about to feed them to the lions. And the donkeys, would you please make the donkeys stop? And, and no doubt, they got to some point, a point in time, I would imagine, that they were looking outside, and they're thinking, are we ever going to get off of this boat? Thinking, God, have you forgotten about us? God, have you forgotten that we're stuck here? We'd really like to get off. We'd really like to get, get on some dry ground at some point. And for 150 days, the waters kept rising and rising and rising. I think this is, a, this is a chapter 8, verse 1. It says, God remembered Noah. It's not that God had forgotten about Noah and his family. It's not that, that God had, had one day be like, oh yeah, I forgot. I told Noah to build an ark. Let me go see how he's doing. It's not that. That he continued to remember him all throughout that time. And he continued to, uh, uh, to know what they were going through. And it's, an, and it's a, a proof and it's a, a reminder that God's, of God's faithfulness to Noah and his family. That they may have felt forgotten. They may have felt forsaken. But it's a reminder that even though uh, they had been in the ark for a long stinking time, God was, remained faithful. And in his time, then they would eventually get off the boat. But not before it was there. But not before it was in God's time. It's also important to notice that about halfway through the year um, on the ark that uh, we find the ark rested. In chapter 8 and verse number 4, it says, And the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat. So we have the ark resting calmly right where God has designed it to rest. Think of the symbolism right here. It's been raining. The waters have been rising. And although it seems doom and gloom all around Noah and his family, God never one time forgot about them. And the ark was resting right where God wanted it to rest, right where God placed it. And when we believe in our hearts that God never forgets us, and we believe and we truly um, and we, and we truly. Uh, um, grasp hold of the fact that he never forsakes us, then a rest will come into our souls, just like it did with the ark. When the storms are raging in our lives, and it seems like we're never going to get out of this, and it seems like we're never going to get off the boat, we're never going to get any semblance of normalcy once again, there's a calm peace, there's an assurance that God is fully in charge and God is fully in control of every single situation that's going on in our life. 
That's one of the lessons of the ark, that when there's flooding in your life, when the rains are coming down, and when you've been in this place longer than you ever thought you would be, God says, hey, you can rest with calm assurance that I have not forgotten you. I have not forsaken you. I've been in control of this situation the entire time. And although it seems like doom and gloom right now, and it seems like you're never going to get out of this, just rest in the fact that I'm never going to forget or forsake you. After 150 days of the water rising, it took another 150 days for the waters to recede. A whole non- another 150 days for the water to go up and for another 150 days for the water to go back down. During that time, Noah sent out a dove on three occasions. You know the story that the dove came back and came back again on a third time. The dove never came back. Um, uh, sim- showing that dry ground had been found. And, uh, verse number 14 of chapter 8, we read that it's been just over a year since Noah got onto the boat. And they finally, after a year of being trapped on the ark, they finally are able to get off of the ark. And it's interesting that after they finally got off the ark, verses 18 through 22, that the first thing that Noah did when he got off the ark was that he built an altar to God and worshipped him. It's a reminder that we are to wait patiently for God through the storms of life. That's a tough truth to preach. It's a tough truth to live, to grasp hold of. That through all of the trying times, we are to live patiently through the storms of life. It's tough because we're not patient people. At least I know I'm not a very patient person. I can't imagine going through what Noah and his family went through for over a year on that ark. A year waiting, wondering, resting, trusting the promise that God had not forgotten them. What a lesson. The best thing that we can do oftentimes is wait on God. We are to wait patiently, but we are also to worship faithfully during that wait. The first thing that Noah did was worship God. How many times have we gone through a a trial, we've gone through a storm, and God has finally let us out on the other side, and, and we hit the ground run and said, thanks God for deliverance. And that's about as far as our thankfulness, about as far as our praise has gone. We spend months, maybe even years, praying, begging God for forgiveness, begging God for victory, begging God for for deliverance, for grace. And when he finally gives it to us, he finally delivers us, he finally lets us off the ark, so to speak. Um... We spend so little time thanking Him. We spend so little time worshiping Him for His faithfulness to us during that time. It's a wonderful lesson here that we can rest in the promise that God never forgets us or forsakes His people. So are you in the ark of God's safety tonight? If you're here tonight and you haven't received Him, then His safety is in salvation. As a Christian, are you in the ark of salvation? 
of God's, God's ark of salvation? What I mean by that is, are you in the will of God tonight? Are you doing what God has called you to do? The safest place that you can ever be in this life is in the will of God. For Noah and his family, being in God's will was being in the ark. And for you, the safest place you could ever be is in the will of God. Are you living by faith and obedience to God's word? If you want to have a blessed life, then you've got to be willing to obey his word and be willing to live by faith. Are you resting in his promise? Do you have peace in your soul? That through this trial, that through this storm, God is in charge. God is in control. He knows what you're going through and he knows what you're facing. All of this is happening by, because of his sovereign control over your life. And when you get out of the storm, you'll be able to build an altar and say, God, I didn't understand it then. Maybe I still don't quite understand it. But thank you for never forgetting about me. Thank you for never forsaking me through this trial. Maybe you need to come tonight and thank God for delivering you through from a flood through an ark. Maybe you're in that position tonight and you need to come and, and, and hand that over to God. Ask God for peace. Rest in peace that he will never forget you or forsake you. Uh, this is not just a children's story. This is not just an historical event, but God has, has lessons that he wants us to learn from the life of Noah and from his ark.